you're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Putnam, and I'm joined today by the host and founder of the Logo Centrifugal Podcast and the author of Uncommon Mentality, Chance Lunsford. Chance is a... Yeah, man. Chance is a husband, a father, a man, and he has a very unique way of looking at things and dissecting things in ways that I've never considered before. So this could be a very mind-bending podcast episode. But uh, thanks for coming on the show, Chance. Hey, it's my pleasure, Jeff. Uh, it's been it's been fun to see you have this podcast and start bringing on people and start walking down this path. I know that for me, the podcast journey has been one that's added a lot of value to my life and given me a lot of things to think about. So uh, I'm, I'm honored to have a chance to be a part of yours. Yeah. Uh, when you and I first connected over a year ago, uh, I was on yours and that was when I was first getting started in the uh, online business game. And uh, I saw you were just totally killing it when you started your podcast. It was just guest after guest after guest. You were having like four or five guests a day. And <laughs> yeah, although I'm dedicated, I can't do four or five guests a day. I think I've done two at the most, but that's just kind of how you are. You go into it, you know, you sink your teeth in and you don't let go. You're like a friggin' bulldog. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a definite obsessive side to me and, uh, when I, you know, I, I had maybe 10 years of anticipation building up to the podcasting. It's like, man, I would really like to do this. And the more I listened and over time, I thought there's no reason I couldn't do it. And then suddenly there was just, I met this point where it's like, okay, it's, it's time to do this. And then, uh, you know, I started just reaching out to buddies and then it started getting a little traction. And, and I figured, look, there's no way I'm going to be able to get everybody I want on here unless I just ask them. And, and pester him. So that's what I'm going to do. And I just kept asking, Hey man, come on, come on. Oh, looks like you showed a little interest. Everybody I know, go tell this person to come on my podcast. And, and it just started rolling. And, and you're right. I was, you know, I, at one point I was doing seven, 10 podcasts a week. Um, and I, I had to kind of step back from that. Honestly, I was just, <laughs> my wife was like, dude, you can't just spend every waking minute you have outside of work on your podcast. And I kind of pushed back for a couple of weeks, but when I really stopped to think about it, I thought, well, that's, that's true. I, I really, <laughs> I really should be working on other things besides this. And I, I kind of, I stepped back and, and then this, the beginning of this year, I reached out to a guy who I um, admire quite a bit. His name's Jack Spierko and he runs the survival podcast and he's just uh, he describes himself as a hippie duck farmer, but he, <clears throat> he's got a podcast. It's got, you know, a hundred thousand active listeners. And he, he has a, a membership program that he runs that pays him a couple hundred grand a year. And I reached out to him, Hey man, you want to come on my podcast? And he got back to me and he said, you know, I really like to help up and coming podcasts and appear on theirs. But I listened to the first three episodes of yours and I couldn't figure out what the fuck you were talking about. I didn't, you know, like I didn't, I don't know what your podcast is about. Uh, and I, and I thought for a second, I'm like, well, yeah, but that's kind of, it's kind of what I'm doing. But then I thought some more and I thought, well, this guy knows what he's doing. And, and I have always liked sort of the serialized podcast. It helps you sink your teeth into something. And so this beginning of this year, I started the series thing where I did the war series at first and, and now I'm working on the art of living. And I'll just, I, I, at least for this year, that's sort of my project is to clump some episodes together around a theme and just, just see how that goes. Because um, as, as you know, Nobody gives you an instruction manual when you start a podcast. You just hop onto Anchor and say, I have a podcast. And, and then you invite somebody on or you just start rambling into a microphone and you play it from there. And, you know, I'm a year in. I have maybe 40,000 total views or listens on the podcast. And that's not that much if you, if you think I have more than 100 episodes. But a lot of people have been exposed to what I'm doing. And it's mostly been positive feedback. And so I want to continue to, to grow and to develop my skills as a podcaster because, and this, I'll, I'll leave it here with this long ramble, but one of the things I have found as I've done this is number one, 
it's very easy to connect with people if you give them a reason to connect with you. I have this platform, people come to it and I say, would you like to join me on this platform and I can boost your signal a little bit? And almost everybody says yes. And the next thing is that it helps me develop my ability to communicate in cohesive thoughts and in a way that is compelling to other people. Whereas a lot of times I'm caught up in my head and I think very differently than most people. And so when I try to communicate to them, they're like, what are you talking about, dude? And I, I remember, oh yeah, you're not thinking in, in intuitive leaps and non sequiturs and trying to tie this big web. You're just like thinking in a line. Okay. I should probably do a better job of doing that. Uh, so, so that's kind of been my journey on the podcast. And, and like I said, it's, it's, it's always fun for me to see friends who just decide I'm going to go do this right now. Why can't I? And I, and I know for a fact that my having a podcast has sent some people down the line, like chance. I, I talk to chance all the time. He, he can do it. He's just a guy. I could go do this right now. And so they do it and it's fun to watch it happen. Yeah. I toyed with the idea of starting a podcast for maybe a year. And it was always one of those things like, you know what? I can do a podcast. And my wife would ask me, well, what are you going to talk about? I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, and it was after I wrote uh, Setting Yourself on Fire that I, I really clenched onto that idea of talking to people who have metaphorically set themselves on fire so that they can rise from those ashes as something new and something beautiful and something creative. Uh, because we've all had something, you know, uh, in our past. Uh, I have, you have, just about everybody I've talked to on the podcast has, where it was, there was a, a moment that was, a, a moment of catharsis that kind of, engulf them in in a metaphorical flame so to speak and when they came out of that when they got past that point in their lives they were something and someone new and so i've tried to center you know my podcast around that and it's one of the main reasons why i think a lot of people identify with the message on this podcast because while it may seem you know, a little unlinear, like one giant web. The theme is everybody I've talked to has gone through something and come out the other side with a, a sort of post-traumatic growth about them, you know, because that was obviously something that uh, I had to do with, you know, being homeless and trying to struggle and rebuild my life from there to what it is today. Um, and you, you know, I've heard your story uh, in our conversations. You've had that happen. You know, you, you've been that person who was, you know, crawling around in the dark. And you've grown into a person who stands proudly in the light and tries to bring that light to other people. And that's something that I really wanted to uh, kind of embody this podcast around was guys who've had experiences and moments of growth like yourself. And it's, it's funny to see, you know, you say that, you know, you, when you're interviewing people and you're talking to people, they're not thinking the same way that you are in these non sequiturs and this very wild, almost intangible <laughs> web that kind of, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a setup for a, a, a standup bit where you don't get it unless you hear the, the tie in at the end of it. And I think that way a lot too. And my wife accuses me of rambling and probably, <laughs> you know, I'm probably rambling, but I'm trying to tie a big picture, you know, and make it, you know, seem like this light bulb at the end of the conversation. But I guess that's why I really like your book, Uncommon Mentality, because it is an uncommon mentality. And anybody that's ever heard any of your podcasts, it's almost like reading Sanction. Uh, you don't know what the hell's going on until the end of it. <laughs> well, look, man, <clears throat> I've been a weird dude my whole life. And um, as a kid, you know, you're trying to fit in and things and that sort of sets you up for some 
some challenges or obstacles, um, depending on how you want to look at it. It's either it's either a wall to climb or it's a wall to run into. But as I got older, I realized, well, I'm not anybody but me. I'm just chance. And, and I got to be chance the best that I can be. I'm not, you know, whatever outside influences I have, I can take little pieces of what they're offering to me, but I'm not going to be the person that they're expecting to me. I'm, I'm not like, I'm just not Joe Schmo. It's just not who I am. So I, I have to accept that and I have to embody that, but I want to be excellent and I want to be a good person by my standards, of course, but you know, I want to, I want to bring those standards and internalize them and then express them into the world and manifest the life, whatever, whatever comes from that. That's who I want to be. And so, you, you know, you're right. Uh, it's, you know, setting, setting yourself on fire is a great metaphor. And, and I, and as you were saying that I was thinking about, well, you know, I had a lot of anger and frustration and I had, you know, I had some, let's call them challenging things happen to me as a child. Uh, parent situation uh, wasn't excellent. My dad's rock solid, but my mom's a, just a crazy person and has a lot of struggles of her own and, and that bled into my life. And, you know, I had some outside influences come in and touch me with some darkness. And as a child, you're not really prepared to understand or process or, uh, you know, deal with adult shit coming in and hurting you. So you have to wait until you have the ability to do that. But I went down a dark road for a long time. Drugs, drinking, crime, violence, you know, just all, all the things that we sort of collectively decide maybe most people shouldn't do all of this stuff. Um, and it's, you know, there's a, there's a time and a place maybe for all of those things. Maybe a kid needs to break a few rules. Maybe you should do some drugs every once in a while to break yourself out of your framework, but drugs every day and violence all the time. And, uh, you know, being a burglar and, and just, but my point is with all of those details is I, I I, I used to take that flame that was inside of me and point it at the world because I wanted to burn the world down. It's like, you want to hurt me? Well, I'm going to hurt you and I'm going to, I'm good at it. And I'm going to, I'm going to burn everything I touch. Everything I touch is going to turn to ash. My relationships, you know, my jobs, my everything, everything I can find, I'm going to burn it down. But obviously at a certain point you get to a place where you start looking around you and, and everything is burned down and all that's left is other torches and then they start to burn out. And so I had, you know, people I called my friends at the time who were committing suicide, who were ODing, who were getting murdered, who were getting sent to prison. And it wasn't like they were living any differently than me. It was just the short straw that day. And I, I finally got to the point where I had to ask myself, do I want to live? Do I want to die? And I've said this before, but it's not an obvious decision when you're in that place. It's like, well, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really done anything I could be proud of. I haven't really lived in a way that suggests to me that maybe I should keep living, but I, I did some internal thinking and I thought, well, I do want to continue on and I do want to be the person I know I can be. And so, you know, I, I, I shifted and the thing that I always repeat, but it always bears repeating is it's, it's not like when you shift all the burden of the darkness that you've chained yourself to goes away, it stays and you have to carry it and you have to become strong enough to carry it. And so as you're walking the other way, you know, it's slow going at first because you have a lot of baggage and you have a lot of pain and you have a lot of um, guilt or remorse at the pain and suffering that you've left behind you. But if you're willing to be honest about that and you're willing to take responsibility for it and confront those things, then even though those first steps are super difficult, you know, eventually you're getting stronger because of the resistance and you start building momentum. And then pretty soon, if you stay on it, you start moving towards the light pretty rapidly, but it, it takes that honesty and that willingness to be responsible for the shit that you cause that allows you to do that. And so, you know, I, I don't like to sound too prideful, but I am proud of the fact that I did do that because I'm basically the only one, you know, when the dust settled, 
some some other people tried to climb out of that pit but when i put my hand up and i pulled myself over the edge and the dust settled i was the only one standing there i left everybody else behind um and and when i got back into the light and started looking around i saw a bunch of people kind of sleepwalking and i thought to myself man i've learned all these things and i've gotten all these tools that i had to use to correct course and to try to become the man i'm proud to be now how can i how can i share those things because there is something there's a there's a bit of a chip on my shoulder maybe that's not quite the right way of explaining it but I, because I take responsibility for all the pain and trauma that I've caused other people in my past, I feel like I need to serve the world in a way that can be meaningful moving forward as a sort of penance for the darkness that I caused. And so that's where uncommon mentality came from. I thought I have all these tools and skills that I've used and, and some of it's weird. Some of it's, you know, more common self-help stuff, but I took all these things together to help myself. How can I, how can I give that back to the world? And so I wrote that book uh, and, you know, I've sold between two and 300 copies of that book. It's not a ton, but I'll tell you what, a, a good proportion of the people who have purchased that book and, and actually read it have reached out to me and said a lot of things about it and have written blog reviews about it or, or just let the world know, Hey, there's this book out there and it's weird. And, and it comes from this weird dude, but there's, it's, it's not like anything you've read and it has a, hum, a whole bunch of power in it. And that's every time I see that, I told myself when I was writing, if one person's life is changed for the better, it will have been worth the time that I put into writing this book. But you know, time and again, I see people come in and saying, thank you, man, because I'm using this, this, and this tool out of that book. And it has been very powerful for me. And that's, that's a, it's pretty satisfying to, have been able to give some of those gifts that I collected and were given along, was given along the way back to the world and, and watch them work their magic on people. Yeah. Uh, you said, you know, maybe a kid does have to break the rules. I think that is a meta rule. I think a meta rule of all rules is that they have to be broken at some point because it can't be, you know, an absolute I mean, there's too much of a, a binary way of thinking when it comes to, you know, saying that you never break the rules. But as a kid, you know, especially with a kid who's had a childhood like yours or a childhood like mine, you know, I was put up for adoption at age 12 by my own mother because I fought back against a very abusive stepfather. Right. And that put me into that position where I'm going to break rules all the time. I still have this kind of a tendency to buck the system, even if the system is in my favor, just for the sake of bucking the system. <laughs> and that's very hard to get past it. Uh, it was, it was um, especially in my younger years. Cause I think as a kid, you know, with all of the revelation and things that you've had, you know, later in life after going through what you went through, that created an opportunity for uh, the creation of wisdom and maturity and just a, a broader sense of knowledge uh, of the way the world actually works and what is required for you to become a part of that world. Um, but as a kid, you think, oh, I my life was somehow made better by breaking the rules at one point. And so you think I'm just going to break all the rules. <laughs> I'm just going to break all the rules and not stop breaking all the rules. And it takes a bit of maturity and not just age. You, I, I've seen 30 and 40 year olds. I know 30 and 40 year olds who are still in that 17 year old, you know, James Dean rebel without a cause mentality. You know, it's okay to be a rebel. It's okay to rebel against things. You know, I rebel against things all the time. But there's a cause and a reason for those things. There's something behind it. But when you're a kid and you're just on fire, you know, inside and out, you just, like you said, you burn the world down because that fire is the only thing you know. 
and it takes burning the entire world down and then standing there in those ashes looking around going, well, what the fuck is left? The only thing that's left is I can either burn myself down and end it all, you know, literally and metaphorically, or I can use this fire to create light, to create warmth and thing and the things that are needed for life to grow and foster. But you don't get there. A lot of people, you know, especially people like you and I, we don't get there until we burn it all down and there's nothing left. Yeah. You know, you talk about how there's a, even for a rebel or even for a rule breaker, there's a developmental process that has to happen in order for there to be some sort of meaning behind those breaking of rules. And, and one of the questions maybe people ought to consider asking themselves is whose rules? Because, you know, there are rules that society, whether written or unwritten sort of operates upon. And then there's the rules, whether written or unwritten, that you operate upon. And those external rules, they can have consequences for breaking them. But the internal rules are the ones where your self-respect, your sense of who you are as a person, your sense of value in the world come from. Those are your principles. And I always tell people that I'm very fortunate that I was in the pit and that I just burned everything down because it made it very easy for me to really look inside of myself and figure out what are the rules that I want to play by? What are my principles? Who am I as a person? Because you're right, when you burn everything down and there's nothing left but your choice of whether or not you want to sort of light that last match or not, you then are in a place where it's like, okay, if I'm not going to burn myself down, then how am I going to play this game? Because I already broke all the rules that everybody else said I should follow. And there were reasons for that. So what were those reasons really? And you look within and you say, well, who do I want to be? And, and how can I make that into a rule for me to live by? And that's, that's a big part of my book. And it's something that um, I repeat <laughs> sort of ad nauseum on, on podcasts or as I'm tweeting, which is you got to have a set of principles that govern your behavior and you got to actually write them down and you got to look at them. And it's okay for you to adjust them, but that adjustment needs to be very conscious and it needs to come for a reason. You know, if I, if I have a rule that I'm going to be honest, well, how honest? If I have a rule that I'm going to be a good father, well, what does that mean to me? And so you have this list of behaviors or rules that you're going to follow. And then you need to sort of explore those and ask yourself, what does that really mean to me? And then write about them. I, you know, there's, everybody should write for themselves, if nothing else. Everybody should get a pad of paper. And when they have a thought or they have a rule or they are struggling with something, just write about it because thoughts are ethereal. And maybe you have a very good memory for your thoughts, but most people don't. And if you sit there and write about them, it'll help you be clearer upon what you're actually thinking. And then you have that resource later to go back to and go, look, this is what I wrote and thought. Have I changed? Do I feel differently? Have I developed? And, and that's, I think that's a critical component to what we're talking about here is when you emerge from that fire, the, the rules of society, you already broke all those. They're, they're sort of meaningless unless you decide to bring them back in. And then when you bring them back in, it's a conscious choice to follow those rules because they align with who you are as a person. And until you get clear on who you are as a person and what that means to you and where that's going to take you, you really can't go through that maturing process that you talked about where um, it's not just, uh, you know, reckless abandonment of rules. It's not just uh, rebellion without purpose. You have a cause and the cause is that you're living according to a code and the code is yours because you literally wrote it or you have thought about it deeply enough that it's ingrained in who you are and you follow your code. And if it breaks rules, then okay, you're good with that because you know why 
you know that it's because I'm being true to myself and being true to my rules and I'm going to follow my principles and let the consequences come because this is who I am as a man and I'm not going to let anybody take it away from me. Laws, other people, myself in my weaker moments. No, I'm going to align with who I am and I'm going to stay that way. And if you get in my way, then there's going to be some rules broken. And the rules might be, I'm going to break your fucking nose if you get in my way because I am a man who's decided who I want to be and I'm going to be that way. And until you get clear about those rules and you dedicate yourself to your principles like that, you will be a rebel without a cause. And it might be cool to wear a leather jacket and ride a motorcycle and not have any direction in your life when you're a teenager or your early 20s. But after that, it's just a sad story. And the people on the outside look at you and you think you're cool cruising down the road with the wind in your hair, you know, smoking two packs a day and not having any meaning in your life. But it isn't. It's just sad. The, you know, the heroes, the real heroes are not anti-heroes. They're actually heroes. They do amazing things because they dedicated themselves to them and they got them done. And until you uh, decide to be that way and commit to being that way and actually take steps towards being that way, it's, it's just, there's not a lot there to admire for yourself even. Yeah, one of the components that comes with all of that is, you know, right there, like what you just nailed at the end, is the ability to look at yourself without feeling disgusted. You know, uh, the analogy that you used of the guy riding a motorcycle with no direction in life, leather jacket, just got that one-off chop that nothing matches, it's like the rat rod of like the, that the man is the rat rod, you know what I mean? And there's sometimes that is the purpose. I think sometimes, cause we both know people who are literal wanderers. Yeah. They are the nomads and their only purpose is, to just wander and be that aimless, but the, they have a purpose with their wandering. You know, they have this insatiable uh, kind of a rambler's soul and that gives them meaning as they wander. But those are the outliers. Those are the exceptions to the rule. And the problem I see today is that there's a lot of people who think they are the exception to the rule. <laughs> they think they are the exception, but if everybody was the exception, then there is no rule, you know, to me, what I see most in young men uh, and myself is included in this demographic because I'm not old yet they they get caught up in the cycle of uh, this kind of a an early existential crisis they don't know who or what or why they are and so they just spin their wheels they're like a hamster on that wheel they're not going anywhere they're just creating energy and creating chaos and they're and they're doing nothing and creating nothing but like you said writing has a, a a a very cathartic effect because you can't fight an enemy you can't see and we're all our own worst enemy and i i've told i've told people before if you can write down specifically and put on paper and physically manifest the aspects and attributes of that enemy of yourself whether they be in the form of questions statements or hyperbole you create something physical that you can fight or that you can decide to join forces with but you can't fight you know something you can't see and you know guys like you guys like me guys like a lot of our mutual friends we spend a lot of time just swinging at the air hoping to connect with something and you see a lot of young people doing that and when you can't connect with anything, you're like, well, I'll just set the room on fire. You know, I'll make sure I get the son of a bitch one way or the other. But we cause a lot of collateral damage 
uh, in doing that. And it's kind of, it kind of ties into that whole passion versus purpose. You know, I think you can't have a purpose without passion, but you can't have passion without purpose either. Uh, those two things go hand in hand and ultimately your purpose uh, is to be passionate about something because if you can be passionate about something, if you can have your purpose is to find something that you're passionate about and to never stop trying to find that thing that you're passionate about. And when you find it, okay, but that doesn't mean that's the end of the road. There's more that you could be passionate about. You know, I never thought that I would be in a position where I mentor young men and I mentor men my age and I mentor men who are older than me who are just kind of coming into themselves for the first time because they died when they were 18 and they've just been a shell or a ghost of a man walking around. But when I've in the midst of me trying to put myself on this pedestal that I was this Billy badass, got no problems, you know, even though I've got nothing to hold on to, I've got nothing worth keeping up, done nothing, you know, worth, you know, any kind of accolades or laurels. It, it kind of put me on a path, which I'm very glad I had the rough path I did, you know, in hindsight, yeah. But it put me on the path to finding that my what I'm passionate about is finding people who are what I was and helping them kind of develop and grow into who they need to be and who they should be and who they are and who they were on the inside all along. But <laughs> it's the it's the nature of our young men today. And this is just my opinion. And from what I've seen to find anything that seems to be the most, seems to be the loudest type of cause or purpose or reason or ideology to get behind and throw themselves into it because they don't have uh, anything else in their lives to, to attach any kind of meaning to. You know, it, it, it reminds me of the conversation that I had uh, with uh, Father Samuel Thorpe. We talked about uh, secularism versus uh, uh, a faith-driven uh, type mentality. The secularists out there, the majority of them jump from cause to cause to cause and once they burn through a cause, they jump to another one, they jump to another one, and so forth and so on, because they're just needing something to believe in and something to identify with. But it's just like you said, you need to be able to look at you and be able to find value in things and, and see what you are and who, what kind of man you are and what rules you are going to apply your, you know, to your life. And then back into that meta rule, if things get in your way of that, you need to break some rules to reestablish the rules. But that is the rule of the meta rule. You have to, you have to only be able to, and be willing to break those rules when they are going to reestablish the rules, not just for the sake of breaking them. Yeah, it's like a, if you're walking through a jungle, you should probably have a machete. But unless you're heading in a direction, there's an awful lot to cut down. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, there's a lot in what you just sort of laid out. And, you know, that faith component is something I've felt more and more compelled to to bring to light because, um, you know, like you talked about, oftentimes if you don't have some sort of bigger than you component to your worldview, 
it's very easy to jump ship from one cause to another when the going gets tough. And if that larger than you thing isn't a consistent force or you don't look at it as a consistent force, even then it's very easy when you meet resistance to sort of head the other direction or to try to sidestep it instead of leaning into that resistance and uncovering that within you, which led you to that resistance in the first place. And, and you're right that the purpose and passion are inseparable. They're intimately tied. And that's, that's sort of one of those rules of life that people often fail to fail to realize is when you're passionate about something, it draws you to it and that gives you direction. When you head in that direction, you're going to meet obstacles. You're going to meet resistance. You're going to meet challenges. And it's through the overcoming of those obstacles and challenges that you develop as a person, that you grow, that you become stronger. And then when you get to that point that was drawing to you, you realize it's only one point in a web. And then you sort of listen. And, and like you talked about too, there's a lot of loud voices out there. There's a lot of them. The, the world is vast and there's a lot of voices and distractions calling for your attention. But it's this, it's the quiet voice inside that says, this is who you are that should be your guide. And sometimes it's hard to hear, especially if you don't even know that you're supposed to look for it, especially if you don't even know what that voice sounds like because you've been running away from it your whole life. But when you learn to follow your passion, you learn a little bit more about yourself. What do, why do I care about? Why do I care about this? I feel like I care about it, but why, why do I? What does that tell me about me? And what did I learn on the way to getting to this point? Okay, now I have these tools. Now I have these weapons. Now I have this strength. Now I'm being drawn to this. Why? Why am I? I should think about this. I should write about this. I should talk about this with the people that I trust and like to bounce ideas off of because they're smart and can help me hone my vision into something that's meaningful. And then I follow and I go, oh, okay here's the reason I was drawn to this and here's the tools I've picked up and here's the strength I gained, which prepared me for what? Oh, this next step. And it's, it's never ending. And, and I think, you know, you, you sort of alluded to this too. Some people get to that point, whatever point along the way and they go, Oh, this is the spot I was supposed to stop. It's like, nah, man, you're not supposed to stop. You don't get to retire from your life. You might retire from a job, but that's only so that you could focus on what? Spending more time with your family, exploring the world, uh, you know, working with your hands on things that interest you, writing that novel you've been planning on writing your whole life, whatever it is. You have, you have the 24 hours in a day, you know, a portion of that is spent sleeping, a portion of that is spent eating and shitting, but the rest of that, it's up to you to develop yourself as a person, to follow your passions, to develop your skills, and to follow that trajectory where it leads you so that you can gain the understanding that you were meant to have. And I was thinking about this this morning. You know, I took a picture yesterday of some cool succulents in the mountains and I had a mountain behind it. And I was thinking to myself, you know, both of these things, this little plant and that big old mountain behind it, they are both living out their lives or, or living out their existence according to rules. You know, you have the golden ratio, you have physics, you have these different rules that govern how these things operate, but they're vastly different from each other even though they're constrained by the same sort of inalienable rules. And I was thinking to myself, well, okay, rules imply order and order implies an orderer, a force of ordering. You know, chaos doesn't, chaos is chaotic. It doesn't, it doesn't order itself. And if, if all you ever think of is that something ordered existence into the order that it is, and you never develop a relationship beyond that as with any sort of higher power or God or whatever you want to call it. Even then you go, okay, well, there's an ordering force. And how can I align myself in my own life with that ordering force to put together the kind of life that I want to live? Things follow rules. You know, we keep circling back to that, but how can I align my life with the rules of putting things together so that I can put together the life that I'm looking at? And then you have to realize that you're pretty ignorant as a person. You don't have a good sense for the future. I mean, I, nobody who's listening to this podcast could tell me exactly what their life is going to hold in the next day, much less the next year or 10 years or the rest of their life. 
you just don't have the capacity to do that. But if you can align yourself with some rules and follow them, you have a pretty good idea about how things are going to come together because they, there's just existence follows rules. <coughs> Manifesting reality follows rules. Building a life according to your rules will have certain outcomes. And if you don't like those outcomes, you can adjust the rules you're playing by. Um, and I guess I, I realize your audience is a lot of young men, men in general, but a lot of young men who's like you said, you're reaching out to to say, here's this person inside of you that you've always been. Let me help you sort of unveil that to yourself and to the world so you can live how you're supposed to live. And I, I just think that if these, if these guys can really understand that it's, it's all right for you to feel the way that you feel about things and to whether it's anger or sadness or happiness or or any of those things you should embrace those because just like your passion is a goalpost or or a signpost it, all the things that you feel and think are signs to you they're messages to you about who you are and when you accept them and you look at them objectively and honestly and take responsibility for who you are, then all those things are teaching tools. They can be obstacles when you fight against yourself, but they can be tools for you to teach yourself about where you need to go and who you need to be. And I, I guess that's, that's sort of what I'm taking from what you said and putting out there is there are messages coming at you all the time and you have to have the faith that those messages mean something and that you can make sense of them and that you can do something about those messages. And the secular world has a lot of messages that will hurt you, that will impinge upon your ability to be who you want to be. I mean, you know, sort of the common refrain, the video games and porn and television and cheap plastic shit uh, will affect your ability to fine tune your spiritual hearing, your spiritual vision, your, your ability to tap into who you are as a person, but it's true. Uh, you know, most of the messages, look at the advertising, look at the top 40 pop music, look at the top television shows. What is it about? It's about cheap sex, gratuitous violence, and um, sort of meaninglessness writ large and aggrandized. And, and what does that tell you about the way that most of the world is feeling about themselves? What does it tell you about the way that most of the world looks at purpose? And you have to ask yourself, do I want to align myself with that? And I think if you're honest with yourself, the answer is going to be no. Do you want cheap sex or do you want meaningful sex with the person who cares about you and who you care about and so that you can enhance a relationship and grow something within you that's meaningful? Do you want, you know, um, cheap gratuitous entertainment or do you want something that is entertaining sure but it also helps you develop psychologically it helps you develop spiritually great art do you want cheap plastic shit from the dollar store or do you want to buy a nice tool that will last your lifetime and you can pass it on to your kids or to the people that you care about and it will continue to work for them there's there's a lot of that going on and the loudest flashiest sparkly shit out there is almost never what you really want. It just distracts you from this thing right here that you should be paying attention to, which is right inside of you. And it's right down the middle of you. It's like, here's my beast and my angel. Here's my darkness and my light. But here's the path that I've been told to walk by understanding what those things mean to me. And, and if you can't get right with that and find faith in your ability to navigate that path, then what are you going to do? besides flounder and feel sad and look for quick, cheap, temporary antidotes to that big hollow space inside of you that was supposed to be filled with your purpose and experience and wisdom. And I guess that's, that was my ramble <laughs> in response to your thoughts. It was a good ramble. Uh, you mentioned, you know, chaos and order and an order-er. And I was reminded of the conversation I had with Jack Donovan. Uh, we talked uh, a bit about, you know, how we as men, we are the orderers. We put shit in order for the world around us. You know, if, if you look at it from a 
uh, a more traditional type of uh, sim, you know, uh, symbological kind of uh, aspect of it. The, the ancient masculine energy, the spiritual masculine is order and the spiritual feminine is chaos. And that's not to say that, you know, while yes, you know, women are chaotic, but it's, it's a yin and a yang. And there is a bit of both in each. But back to the, the, the chaos, the order and the orderer, we're drawn to chaos as men for the purpose of ordering it. It's our job to make sense of things. It's our, it's our destiny, our fate. It's why we're here is to take chaos and put it into order because chaos in and of itself, if you look at it from like a uh, pre-cosmogonic sense, you know, from like, think before big bang right it's absolute chaos nothing is ordered there's no patterns there's nothing and that's not necessarily in and of itself a bad thing chaos isn't necessarily or innately bad but chaos is the the allowance of potential for good or bad to be a part of it you know, anything can happen. It can be good. It can be bad because it's chaos. There's nothing predictable about it. And as men, we have a tendency to be drawn to things that are chaotic. You know, we like the fast cars. We like the violence. We like, you know, the giggling girls in sundresses, you know, the things that are dangerous in all of those things, the gig giggling girls in sundresses, violence, you know, and fast cars, they're all dangerous. Yeah. And we are drawn to those things so we can put them into order and make sense of them. And you can be reactive to the chaos, but action is always going to be faster and more effective than any kind of reaction. And if guys will learn to actively seek to put chaos into order in their own lives, in the world around them. So instead of much rather being a product of their environment, they create an environment that is a product of themselves and who they are. That is taking, you know, like from the Pareto principle with 80 stacked at zero and 20 sitting over here at 100 you start to filter those pieces out because it's always going to be moving. The same 20 that are up here at 100 are not going to be the same 20. Those 20 are going to shift back and forth with those 80. The, the percentages will always be the same. There's still always going to be 80 stacked at zero. And there's always going to be 20 stacked at 100. But it's not going to be the same 80 or the same 20. They, they'll shift places, but the only time they ever shift places, if you're stacked at zero, you have to take action to get you to 20. You have to be able to put things into place to where you have a solid terra firma to walk on in your life to get to 20 because 20 is not sustainable forever. You see it all the time with guys who were at the top of their game in the 80s or the 90s or the early 2000s, and now they're just Joe Schmo working at a grocery store. You know, there's, but outside of just a, a career, you know, kind of analogy to it, you will spend the majority of your life stacked at zero with the other 80 if you don't put that chaos into order. If you don't stop being a product of the randomness around you, you know, with the, and that, that random, that randomness is the distractions you were talking about, you know, the bright and shiny shit over here that really has no meaning versus that hand carved, handcrafted, you know, piece of art or tool or whatever that you can use forever. And I think, <laughs> 
I think it's interesting that most people, when they get stacked at 80, they, they think this is it. You know, this is where I am. This is how it's going to be because everybody else is there. <laughs> you know, just because, you know, we, you know, we look for things that are patterns. We look for things that are recognizable and I've dealt with this. I know you've dealt with this when you're stacked at zero with the other 80 and you start making moves to get you to that 20, there's no more patterns that are recognizable. And so you get imposter syndrome and you think, I don't belong with those 20. But you don't realize that those 20 are sitting there going, I don't, be I don't belong with these 20 either, even though they're there. <laughs> you know? And so it, you're not alone in those things, but you can carve out a life if you make the conscious effort to put chaos into order you know again chaos isn't bad but you can't sit there and live in chaos you have to put it to order that's why you're that's why if you're listening to this that's why you're drawn to those bad women that's why you're drawn to that rough and tumble crowd that's why you're drawn to these wild and outrageous and outlandish things. It's because you're drawn there because you're supposed to put it into order. You're supposed to put labels and categories on things to make sense of it. You're not just there to be a part of you know, the undertow and just get pulled into it. You're drawn there because you're supposed to make sense of it and put it where it's supposed to go so that you know how to navigate. Because like you said, if you're in the jungle and you don't know where you're going, you got a lot of shit to cut down, you know, unless you pick a direction to go in. And I think society as a whole right now, even with this whole, you know, coronavirus lockdown and everybody hates China, everybody hates this politician, everybody hates that politician. Nobody knows where to go. And so they're just swinging a machete around blindly, you know, hoping to find a footprint that they can follow. <laughs> but, I, I mean, doesn't, right. doesn't it kind of seem like that? It seems like everybody's just swinging wildly in the dark and they don't really know where to go and they're hoping to find someone else's footprints. And that's why we see these, these mass migrations into various ideologies. Yeah, I mean, I wrote about this just yesterday. I said, look, I'm not coming out of this Corona situation with a new skill or a new habit or in better shape than I would have been because I've already been doing that. I've already, my day is full. I have stuff that I can't get to because I'm already doing everything I can do and, and it's priorities and it's choices, but I, I have a backlog of stuff. If something impinges my ability for whatever reason to pursue the things I'm after, I got so much shit that I am ready to do because I, I know who I am. And there's a, there's a thing I talk about called being undeniable. And essentially what it distills down to is if you walk into a room, everybody knows that you walked into the room and that you have a power within you that you can bring out and use. And it's, it's, it's sort of the same thing that you're talking about, about bringing order to places. And I'll, <laughs> I'll kind of give you an example of what I'm talking about. A lot, of the, a lot of the people I work with and my friends like to tease me about the way that I walk because I'm upright, my chin's up, I take long strides, my arms swing, and it looks a little bit goofy. But the reason that I walk that way is because I'm conscious of the way that I'm walking. I'm walking upright. I have my chin up. I'm not letting my movements be impinged by self-doubt or by pressures from society. I'll be walking down the street and I recognize, you know, people are looking at me. And I have the same impulse as most everybody else does to sort of hunch the shoulders and to hide myself from view. But the gift that I have is I'm proud of who I am because I decided who to be and I pursue it. And I'm not a perfect man by any means, but I know that every day I work towards that uh, infinite goal of being exactly who I want to be. And so I, I don't give in to those pressures to fold. I stand up straight, my shoulders are back, and I lift my chin up, and I'm walking like this, taking powerful strides and moving my arms and moving my legs. And, you know, people can tease me about that all they want, but my counter to them is always, 
well, yeah, but you slouch and you look like you're afraid of the world. You want to switch? You, <laughs> you think I should walk like you? And the answer is no. No. You know that my way of walking is better than your way of walking because your back is sore and you're fat and you're ashamed of who you are because you don't eat right and you don't exercise. You exercise in high school. That's cool, man. Um, but what are you doing now? You gained 50 pounds since high school. Your waist has gone from a 31 to a 39. I mean, your wife doesn't think you're attractive anymore. And you know what? Because she felt like you gave up, she's given up too. And now your wife is 50 pounds overweight and you guys don't have any sort of sense of physical connection anymore. And you're so exhausted from the kids that you don't put in the time. But the reality is, you know, everybody's got 15 minutes a day to put in some high intensity exercise. And if you don't, you ain't living right, period. And it's the same, it's the same sort of thing. That, that sense of creating order. I want to touch on something real quick and I'll bring it back to that, which is I learned a lot about my power as a person when I was burning stuff down. I, I learned I have the ability to affect the world massively. And though I was in service to darkness and destruction at the time, I learned I, I can make things happen in the world. I'm a powerful person. And that's a lot of responsibility for a person to accept. And the reality is we are all very powerful. I've never met a person who couldn't massively impact the world if they just got into alignment. But my point in saying that is when I walk into a place, I am there to affect change. I don't go to a place to just be there. And for me, that's why I limit my circle very tightly the people in my real life who I allow into my life is my family and a couple friends. And that's it because I know when I'm walking into a place, I'm going to try to order it. I'm going to apply my massive power to that thing. And I don't want to walk into a place with a bunch of people who are not going to accept the fact that I'm going to try to come in and massively influence them because that's what I do because I'm undeniable because I shaped myself to be that way. And it doesn't mean that I won't go into a place and do that. It just means that my tight circle, I'm going to be hammering them constantly to be better because I expect myself to be great and I want the people I associate with to be great. And so I express that expectation. Jeff's left, maybe he'll come back. I don't know. Hopefully he does. But for you, my friends, you should know. You should know. You have a power within you. I have power. Jeff, you made it back. You got your mute on, homie. There we go. Uh, no, um, the last thing I heard before we, uh, had those tech glitches was that's why you limit your circle. Yeah, because I know how powerful I am. My presence is powerful. I've, I've shaped it to be that way and embraced it. And the people in my tight circle, I'm going to expect a lot from them. I'm going to demand it. In fact, just yesterday, we were we on a hike, my family and I, and my wife's like, you're such a drill sergeant because I was telling my five-year-old girl to run to catch up on the hike. And we were, we were already five miles in and I was still just like, hey, faster, come on. And, and that's, that's, the level, that's the level of expectation that I have with the people that I associate with. I don't want any bullshit in my life. I don't want losers in my life. I don't want quitters. And, and that's why I, I limit very carefully the people that I allow into my actual real life that I spend time with. It's a little bit different on the internet because I'm, I'm in a teaching role and I'm in an encouraging role and a mentorship role to a lot of people. But in my real life, you know, because I'll walk into a place and I just, I see things to fix. I see things to build. I see things to encourage. I see problems to solve. And it's, it's great to be that way, but a lot of people are going to resent you big time for trying to fix their problems. And that's something that I've had to learn over the years is just because I can see your problem and offer a solution and I will support you in doing that doesn't mean that you want me to do that. And you might look at me and think, who is this guy? And 
I've never met this guy. And suddenly he cues into who I am and looks in my soul and gleans the darkness in there and then presents a platter of light and says, eat right now. And most people don't want you to do that, whether you want to do that for them or not. And it's, and, and I will say this too, before I get rambling on too long, is that you have to be very careful about how you try to solve chaos in others. You can be as demanding as you want of yourself. You can demand from yourself that you fix your problems, that you solve the chaos within you. But when it comes to other people, you have to remember that it's choice is the foremost thing in a person. It's what makes us a person is our ability to choose. And if you try to impose your will upon another, if you say, I see a problem, you will fix it my way, that, that doesn't really go over well. It's going to make an enemy for you. And the probability of them actually addressing the problem that you noticed, if you try to impose your will upon them, drops almost to zero. You should be crafty and clever if you're going to try to help other people solve their problems, unless they come to you. If they come to you, you give them the straight dope. But if you're trying to insinuate some order into their lives through your will, you have to be far more crafty about how you're going to do that because instantly they'll put up a wall. If they're onto your game, I don't want to play your game, man. I'm playing my game. So just that's a little tip for those of you out there who are have some sort of level of concern about maintaining good relationships with people, even if they don't rise to your expectations is you, you can't, you can't try to be the drill sergeant to a person who never signed up to boot camp. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's something that a lot of people will struggle with, uh, especially men who are supposed to be, you know, the leaders of their family. A lot of people think leader, you know, means, you know, the one in command, but really it's all about just leading, you know, by example and living the kind of life that you expect of others. And like you said, not really allowing that kind of bullshit into your life, but uh, we're coming up on that hour mark. And I just want to say that if more people would take the time to figure out who the hell they are, before they worry about changing the world or before they worry about changing other people, they'll be much more effective at exacting the change that they actually want to see. Because I don't think most people know what change they want to see. They just want some kind of change. Hmm. You know, I think they want change, but they don't know exactly what to change because they don't know who they are or what they need to align with. uh, Before we wrap up, uh, is there anything else you wanted to, you know, quickly add? There's an old Jewish proverb that says, if everybody swept their own porch, there'd be no dirty streets. Take care of yourself. Take care of your home. If everybody did that, there would be no problems in the world. There would just be houses in order, happy families, and meaningful existence. If you want some help with that, you can go check out my book. If you want some more audio entertainment, you can go check out my podcast, but that's a, uh, I've rambled on long enough for sure. <laughs> as many issues as we have. You, you broke up a little bit there. You want to say that again? Oh, I was saying, yeah, that pretty much hits the nail on the head. If uh, you have your own house in order and everybody has their own house in order, there's nothing going to spill out onto the streets. That's right. But uh, I think this is a good spot to wrap up. So I'll say uh, for those of you watching, for those of you listening, uh, if you want to connect with Chance, there'll be some links in the show notes, uh, links to his book. Uh, It's a very good book. I have the book. Um, It's the best book. It's huge. (laughs) (laughs) But no, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so by – leaving reviews. If you don't think those help, you're wrong. Those help tremendously get the message out to more people. Um, and also if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like, share, and subscribe the videos. Uh, they help greatly, but that's going to do it for this episode of the rugged legacy podcast. 
and uh, Chance, thanks for coming on, brother. It's been a pleasure, man. I, uh, it, was, uh, it was an honor to come on. Yeah, you kind of broke up on that last part. All, all I saw was the salute, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, I was just sort of sitting here looking like an idiot while I was waiting for the glitch to end. But, yeah, I, it was just an honor to be on, man. It was my pleasure. Glad to be here. Um, and I, I hope that you continue to have success and growth in this podcast, just like with business, just like with your uh, sort of digital presence. And thanks for inviting me on. It was a pleasure to have you. Uh, well, that's going to be it, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the content on all of the episodes, especially this one here. If you'd like to become a contributor and support this podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash ruggedlegacy and click on the support icon. Everyone wants to rise from the ashes, but very few are willing to set themselves on fire. This has been a Rugged Legacy production.